Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast, Claire You, Hi, Amy. It's great to have you here. I'm looking forward to sharing your why with the audience. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me to speak in your podcast. Oh, absolutely. No problem at all. So let's just dive straight in and, and say, what is it that you're doing right now? So right now, I am um, a property developer. I also have a portfolio of buy-to-lets and I also introduce investors in uh, to uh, pro- projects here in, in the UK, either mine or someone else's project. I'm also currently looking for new projects to do, as we all do. Fantastic. And property, is that something you've always been doing? I actually only started buying my first buy-to-let here in the UK in... 2013 but I bought my first properties in Malaysia before coming here to the UK. And what brought you to the UK? I I came to the UK because my partner now husband lives here so someone has to relocate and I just decided to it was much easier for me to relocate here than for him to um, relocate to Malaysia. So it was a compromise on your behalf? Yes, yes, it was because it's easier for me to come here and because for him to go to Malaysia, it's, it's harder for him to do what he wants to do. And there's a language barrier as well. That makes sense. So what were you doing in Malaysia before? Maybe I can just start by telling you a little bit about myself. Absolutely. Um, I, bought, I was born and I grew up in Malaysia. I'm an eldest of four siblings. I had quite a nice childhood relatively um, uneventful. However, I had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. I didn't know what I wanted to study. I didn't really have an ambition. And when I was 15, I had the privilege of meeting Stephen Hawking in person. And my father suggested that I ask him to recommend what I should do or what I should study when I go into university. And it took him quite a while because he has to use his gadget to speak for him. And he finally came and said, molecular biology and I had no idea what it was and I didn't know what I could do with that knowledge so I did not follow his advice. Why do you think he chose molecular biology? I I don't know it's really hard to have a discussion with him because it takes like five minutes to give me that two words. (laughs) And what was the context? Give me the context of why you were in his presence. Oh because he he came to Malaysia because my father worked with the science center and and, you know, he was the organizer and Stephen Hawking was his guest. So I had the privilege of going, you know, behind this, the, the stage and meeting him in person. So after completely ignoring Stephen Hawking's valuable advice, what did you decide to do? I ended up doing veterinary medicine. Okay. Yeah. So um, I ended up doing that. It was a five-year course and, you know, I really enjoyed that course. 
And after graduation, I worked as a small animal veterinarian in a um, university hospital. It was a very nice job. I had you know, my colleagues, really nice team. But my salary at that time was only an equivalent to about 400 pounds a month. So that wasn't really enough. And there was also no career progression if I continued to stay there. So eventually, after about two years, most of my team, most of us, we left. And most of my course mates, or my colleagues, they were mostly my course mates anyway. So they, most of them, they had their, opened their own practice, their own vet practice, their, you know, their own clinics. I did consider that, but I decided not to because I really value my freedom. Because once you have a practice, especially a clinic, you'll be stuck there all the time. You have to be at your clinic all the time until you've established yourself and, you know, getting new vets to work for you or else you'll be stuck there. And that wasn't something that I wanted to do. So I did not do that. And I, instead, I went to um, join AstraZeneca and I was a medical rep selling cancer drugs for a year. And after that, I decided that I still preferred the animal industry. So I went back to the animal health industry, but not as a small animal veterinarian, but I worked as in, in a commercial company selling livestock feed additives. So we were selling something that you put into the feed of pigs and poultry to help them grow better and healthier. So that was what I was doing. Um, before I came here. So I was working with this company and we have got like um, distributors all over the Far East. So I was managing all those different distributors in this, each different countries, providing them with technical support and helping them with, you know, sales and all that. So was this all a careful plan? You know, do your degree, get these jobs that you really want to do? Is it all your passions, all these things? Yes, yes. So I mean, well, it was... It was just not really a planned plan, but that was like the next step. So, you know, once you've graduated, what do you do next? And what do you do next? So if this is not for you, what do you do next? You know, and I like to try different things. So I've tried in the animal industry, the small animal. I've tried um, being in the livestock industry. And I, I mean, there, there, are, there are pros and cons in each. And I, and, I, and I enjoyed that. So I thought that everything was just, you know, that's how it was going to be. I was just going to, you know, work hard and climb up the corporate ladder as most of us do and until one day my 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 then partner said to me that he was going to work really hard and so that he could retire at the age of 45 and that actually made me think what was my retirement plan for myself because the pension scheme that we had it's it, you know it, it's not going to be enough and back in Malaysia, there's no such thing as housing benefits. If you have no house, you're just really homeless and there's no like, you know, benefits or this allowance and you, you get nothing. So you really have to plan and take care of yourself or, or else you'll be a burden to your family. And I, and I didn't want that. I didn't want to burden my future children to take care of me. So that's when I actively started to plan my retirement. And a lot of my friends or family, they were quite, um, you know, surprised because they said, you know, you just started your career, you're only 30 years old and you're already planning for your retirement. That's what, <laughs> that's what people say to me. So you were very strong about that. You had, a, the, you're 30 years old. This is what I'm going to do. Why was it important for you to have this future plan sorted? 
Yeah, um, because I didn't want to depend on anyone. Like I said, you know, if you don't have a retirement, you can work and work. And at the end of your work life, if you don't have enough for your retirement, you know, you you won't be able to enjoy your retirement because if you have, you know, if you have to just leave from month to month, you know, with that little bit, little amount that you have, I really wanted to have a nice retirement, at least because I love to travel and I didn't want to be a burden to your children. In, in the Asian culture, a lot of them, they tend to depend on their children. It's like your children's responsibility to take care of the parents when they're old. So I don't want to, to, to be my children's responsibility. And, uh, and also I didn't want to depend on my future partner because I see a lot of uh, women being stuck in a relationship and they cannot leave even though they're not happy because they are not financially independent. And, and I do not like that. And I believe that um, every woman should have their own source of income. So they can be in a relationship for as long as they want, but they shouldn't be stuck there just because they feel that they have no other choice. That's why I felt very strongly about looking for a way that I can uh, have a good retirement. And why is it important for you to have the option of your future? Yeah, as I said, I didn't want to depend on anyone. So I was looking at different options, different ways. You know, of course, if you are employed, you always have a certain amount of salary for your pension and things like that. But as that wasn't enough, I tried to look at other ways as well. So I, at that time when I was looking, I did, I was speaking to anyone who could offer me any ideas on how I could make that happen. And one of those people offered, someone offered me this scheme where if I could invest not invest, if I can save, let's say, a thousand a month for 10 years, then on year 13 onwards till the rest of, till the end of my life, I will get a thousand a month for doing nothing. And initially I thought that was great because, you know, who else is going to give you money for the rest of your life? But then when I thought about it, I found that, first of all, a thousand a month for me to save at that time to commit 10 years, it, it's quite a lot. But for the future, with taking into account inflation, it's not going to be a lot of money. It's not going to be enough. And I also tried to find out how could they, you know, offer such a way, are they going to get all that money to give me for the rest of my life? And I figured out that if you save a thousand a month, for a year, that's 12,000. For 10 years, that's 120,000. And because they're not giving you anything for the first 12 years, that means they're making, they're keeping all the interest of that money that you've been saving for the first 12 years. So that's their company profits. And only from the 13th year that they start to, they probably put it in some unit trust or, you know, whatever. And they have with a 10% returns. So that's how you get your 10%, uh, 10, 1,000 a, a month back for the rest of your life but since that wasn't enough that's how I started looking for other ways and then I looked into properties and I realized that was actually the, the best way to go because you could leverage what you have in in so many ways 
So at that time, for example, we only need 10% of deposit to buy a property. So let's say for a property, if the property is worth 200,000, I only need a deposit of 10%, which is 20,000. And if the property price just increased by 10% to 220,000, there's a profit of 20,000 and that meant my that meant 100% returns of the amount that I invested in the first place. So that's like, you know, and also I figured out that if I could rent that out because we, 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 it's on a repayment mortgage. So after 25 years, the tenant would be paying off my mortgage for me. So after 25 years, just in time for my retirement, all the properties would have been paid off. I will not have any more mortgage on it. So my plan was to live in one of those and a few others would be, the rental from the other properties would be my income. You know, I can use that for my food, for my living expenses, and there should be enough for traveling as well. So I thought that would be my plan and that seemed to work really well. And I was really happy that I found a solution to, to my retirement. So for the next two years, I bought as many as I could buy. It wasn't that many. I managed to buy five because there's no buy-to-let mortgages in Malaysia. So it all had to depend on my salary. So that's how I started my journey um, in property investment, all because someone asked me that question, what is, uh, he didn't ask me that question. I mean, because all, because he told me that his retirement he was going to retire at the age of 45. So it sparked an interest in you and then you set on your own way of finding that solution. So what does it now look like? How, how long ago was that? You said a few years? So that was um, about... Um, so I started buying at 2008. And so after I bought that few properties and I couldn't buy any more because I had stretched my salary, about that time, I met my current husband, and then I decided to relocate to the to to the UK to London. So that I came here in 2010, and so that's that's how I ended up here. So when I came over here, my initial plan was actually to get a job, and you know, and work. But when I came here, I got pregnant with my first child. So. I decided not to work and I was just, you know, not doing a lot at home because I didn't know anything about property investment. It wasn't, it didn't even cross my mind to buy properties here at that time. I did try to do a, a small business because I was so bored. I decided to buy over someone's online fashion business, like clothes, ladies' clothes in Malaysia, but I read that was my first business mistake. <laughs> Lesson learned, do not trust anyone, even though they seem nice or they seem like a friend, you know, don't trust anyone. Always look at the numbers. But anyway, after my son was born, I was still you know, searching through the internet. I didn't know what to do. And then I came across this advert for a two-hour free property course. In, and it was held just near where I lived. So I was really excited and I signed up for it and I went for the course, two-hour course, and I was just blown away at what they presented and I signed up for the three-day course. When I came back home, 
And I told my husband that he was like, that's scam. You know, that's a few thousand pounds. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. You just, you know, you, you don't have to pay that amount of money. You can just learn from my friend, you know, things like that. And because at that time, you know, when you're new at the country and if you don't work, if you don't have, if you don't work, you have no colleagues, you don't have any opportunity to make new friends. So I didn't have any friends. I didn't have any family at that time. So I thought it would be best to just take his advice. So I managed to cancel my registration and got my deposit back. But for two months, I just couldn't stop thinking about that course. And I thought I really, really wanted to do it. I really, you know, I decided that was really what I wanted to do. And then so I just signed up for it again anyway. And that was one of the best things that I've ever done. And I have no regrets. And that was, there was no looking back after that because I was just so, it was such an eye opener for me because everything here is, is so different. You know, the way there's no buy to let mortgages in the U, in, in Malaysia. So now there's buy to let mortgages here and you could actually remortgage the concept of remortgaging and recycling your cash. And even the concept of buying below market value because I, I wasn't, I'm not a very business savvy person. You know, I'm, I can probably study and all that, you know, memorize lots of facts. But when it comes to being streetwise, I, I wasn't very streetwise. That even when I didn't even know you could, you could offer below the asking price. So all my properties back in Malaysia, I offered full asking price. I remember there was once the property agent asked me, so how much do you want to offer? And I just look at him. Oh, the asking what? how much is it selling for? And he told me the price. Yeah, that's the amount. And he looked quite puzzled. And now I know why he looked quite puzzled. So you were naive, but the most important thing is you just got started. Yes. Yeah. So for, for, for nine months after that course, I was looking for this below market value property that we were thought to look for, for nine months. I was just viewing hundreds of properties, putting in offers. And I did not realize that I did not realize that the, the 20% below market value concept is usually for properties up north. <laughs> so anyway, after nine months, I managed to find um, one, my first below market. It wasn't, it wasn't 20%, it was 15%. And you know, when I went for my monthly meeting, I just told them and I said, oh, it's not 20%, it's just 15. But when they found out that, you know, it's not, it's not up north, it's in Essex. I thought, well, oh, that's really good. <laughs> so that's how I, I bought my first. And um, fortunately for me as well, the property price, the properties that I bought in Malaysia, that when I bought it was, the, the market was stagnant for nine years. But after I bought it, it, it had steadily increased. So I could sell them off one by one and, and use the profits as my deposit for my, to start buying my buy to lets here. You've learned a lot in a, in a short period of time. Yes. <laughs> yes, I have. And, and are you on your way for retirement? Are you, are you, have you shortened that from 45 years old now? Well, I could easily retire now if not for my two kids, you know. <laughs> and what is it you want to give your children? Um, I, I want to give them the opportunity to, to, to do anything, to, to pursue their own passions. Um, like, I, I would like them to, to give them the opportunity to whatever they want to learn. I can 
I can, you know, money doesn't have to be a barrier. They can learn whatever they want to and they can be whatever they want to in the future without having to think like, oh, is this job going to give me, you know, enough money? Or, you know, like my son, he, he loves creatures and exploring. So he's always asking me, mommy, if I be a forest ranger, will I be able to earn a lot of money? <laughs> so I just tell him, you know, just do what you like and be the best. You know, even forest rangers, if you can be someone like his idol, his idol is, uh, what's that guy called? Coyote Peterson. So if you can be like Coyote Peterson, you can still make a lot of money. So, you know, you just do what you want and be the best in it. Was that the same advice that you got when you were a child? Uh, no, I didn't get that advice when I was a child. Unfortunately, being from an Asian family, they tend to say that, oh, you should study, you know, things like engineering, you know, medicine and courses like that. Although my, my father didn't think, um, didn't think that the investment required to study medicine was worth it because it's really expensive to study medicine. But, you know, the typical Asian families, they like engineering and medicine and accountancy and, you know, things like that. You can get really good salary on. And for you, it's more important to do what you love. Yes, I, I think it's, it's, it's really, I think it's really good to have a passion um, from when you were young, because for me, I didn't have a passion when I was young. So I was just like, you know, whatever. And well, this looks good. And so I'll just do it and I enjoy it. Well, I, I need to enjoy the course, but it's not like it wasn't my my dream when I was young to be a vet. It's just that I just happened to do a diploma course in the veterinary faculty and I saw what the seniors were doing and then I just fell in love with it. But it wasn't like a, a, a passion that I had from young. So I try to encourage my kids to have a passion. Like my son, he's, he's so passionate about having, you know, creatures and wildlife and things like that and my daughter's not not so she's she loves dancing and all that but her passion is not as strong as as my son he like he dreams about animals he he talks about animals and creatures and insects all the time he's a bit older than her though right he's he's eight now yeah so he's probably just starting to think about all those things of what, what he loves doing so what's the plan next for you claire so uh, my plan now is, um, you mean in terms of my career? Anything. What, what's next on the horizon? You said you could reti retire now. So what's the plan? Well, I, I could if I didn't have kids. <laughs> 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 so expensive. So my plan now is, um, but I, I actually really enjoy uh, my property business or my property career. So if it, it it's something that I wake up and look forward to. So right now I have a, a project that I'm doing, a, a development project, which I hope that we can start soon. And I'm also looking for the next one. I think um, doing developments, it's, it's a bit like, it's like a bit like having a child, you know, when, when you're going through all that hard times and you tell yourself, oh, no, no, I'm not going to do another time. This is enough. You know, one is enough. And, and then once you sort of, like get over I haven't gotten over it yet but you know then you start to think hmm I think it's about time we have the next one 
That's great advice. I love that. It's funny though, because when you when you do have that sort of broodiness for the next child, you're going to have to stop at some point. But with property, you don't have to. You can just keep on going. Yeah, yeah. I've got to stop the children. No, no more children, because I want to focus on you know, my 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 property journey and my you know it's really exciting and I really love what I do. So right now I'm also I notice a lot of Malaysians like to invest in the UK. So I'm trying to um, help them. So I've helped some investors in the UK to invest here in, in I mean, investors in Malaysia to invest here in the UK. And because I'm a developer myself, and I also invest in other people's projects. So I am a developer and an investor. And being a developer, I'm able to analyze the deal. So before I in, introduce or recommend any investment, schemes or you know opportunities to my Malaysian investors I will look through the figures thoroughly first and ask all the questions and make sure you know everything's in place uh, and it has to be an investment or a scheme that I would myself I would myself would invest in it before I get someone else to to invest in it I think that's really important because I think some people that does like you know, bringing investors, they themselves, they don't really know how to analyze the deal. They just want to get in and get their commission and off they go. So that that's what I do now because I think there are lots, lots of opportunities here in the UK. Um, I, I wish I had enough cash to invest in all those investment opportunities that I come across, but I don't. So why not share that uh, opportunity with some other people? That's fantastic. So you've definitely been inspired to be that independent financial woman that you you're advocating other people are. Yes, yes, definitely. So um, I think it is important because a lot of women they don't really plan for their financial future. They they depend on their husband, or they just think it's not something that they do. I have helped some of my friends to encourage them to buy buy to lets I've got a friend who whom I've helped to well sort of mentor to to achieve her financial freedom because so we planned that she we calculated that she would need five properties to to achieve like well it's not it's financial freedom in the sense that it's a, it, it, she's not going to be like have a luxurious life but it would be enough for her to pay off all the mortgages and you know have a comfortable life so she would need five properties and we have worked out that if she can buy one property a year one buy to let a year she would she would be able to achieve her financial independence in five years and so far she's on year 4 and she's on track so that i'm i'm really pleased about that and how does that make you feel knowing that you're helping other people with their independence too I feel really happy. I think, you know, if you can just help, I would like to help as many women as I can, you know, to sort of like inspire them or even to help to give them inspiration or some help to educate them, to let them know that, you know, they should start planning to have their own. I mean, they can do it with their family, you know, with husband. It doesn't have to be alone, but at least they have some sort of control so that they and and some sort of income for themselves, not having to depend on anyone, you know, because, you know, you don't know what's going to happen in the future, right? 
Absolutely. And going from not having many friends to now working in property, I, I feel that you're surrounded by people. You've got a, a huge network of people around you now. So now we've got a, I've got a whole new network of people and a lot of property investors, property developers, and it, it's great, especially now that, you know, with everything going online, we have lots of online groups where there's so a lot of opportunity to meet and get to know other property professionals so you can exchange ideas. And it's really important for me. Well, actually, for, at the beginning of my journey, I didn't have any friends. I didn't have anyone to talk to. So at that time, we did have Facebook groups and all that, but we had a monthly meeting. So from there, I started my very small circle of property investors friends. And they have been so helpful, you know, because I didn't have anyone else to talk to about property. And they had they gave me a lot of valuable advice because my husband, he's not he's not interested in property investment. So that's not he's not someone I could talk to about all my property um, issues or challenges. So it's really important for me to have like-minded people. And I think now, nowadays, especially, there's so many supportive groups that we have. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's so important to be surrounded by people who you can trust to help you with the next stages. And in property, there are many challenges and issues and and we, we can make mistakes and we can make very expensive mistakes if we don't know what we're doing. But to know that we can reach out and ask others who have been there and done that before is really a, a, a very reassuring. Yes, definitely. Definitely. It's, it's, it's really, yeah, it's really helpful to have like like-minded people and I realized that a lot of property investors we are really positive people <laughs> it's not all doom and gloom you're all positive like oh, even in this situation of COVID, you know with COVID-19 if you talk to other people who are outside the property circle it's all like doom and gloom oh no this is that but you know when you talk to property people they are very positive they're like let's look for opportunities what can we do here what can we do now <laughs> I think it's right. I think we're we're always used to dealing with obstacles. And so we just see them as on our way, not in our way. And that's just the way that we, we've dealt with the COVID is, is that it's, it's just another one of those obstacles that we have to navigate around. And there's nothing we can particularly do about it. We just have to look for other opportunities to sort of thrive and survive. So but it's been amazing having you here, Claire. I really, really enjoyed our time together. Thank you so much. How are people getting in contact with you? Oh, well, I'm on Instagram. Um, my handle is at uclaire, or you can find me on Facebook. My, my Facebook profile is Claire U, C-L-A-I-R-E-Y-E-W. Perfect. Well, I'll put those both in the show notes. And what about a final message for the audience? What would you like to leave us with today? Um, I think my final message would be, you know, start planning for your retirement early, even as early as 30 years old or even earlier because the earlier you plan for your retirement the more you know the the easier it is I mean you don't have to pressure yourself don't wait till you're 50 years old and then start to think oh no what am I going to do now because when you start at 30 you have time on your side and I used to tell people even if you start at 30 if you can just buy even one buy to let every year or even one every two years by the time you reach when you're 50 you already have like 10 buy-to-let at least if you buy one every two years. And it doesn't have to be like expensive buy-to-let. You, you can just probably buy a bit further from London, whatever that is within your budget. But if you can just start early, then 
you have that opportunity to have the leverage over time, you know, when it's capital appreciation and having, if you're taking a repayment mortgage, you have that opportunity for your tenant to have 20 years to pay off your mortgage for you. So yeah, that's, that's, that's my advice is to start planning for your retirement and financial planning, start early, as early as you can. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.